Titus puffs out his chest while holding the spear blaster and says, Gentlemen, I suggest you unhand the Twi'lek here. And then slowly get the hell out of this bar. Otherwise, things are going to get quite ugly and you're not going to like it. You're a stranger here who's about to make a very large mistake. Howdy, friends. What we have is Star Wars role-playing actual play. I've started a brand new Edge of Empire campaign with five of our patrons. We are now several sessions in, and we've been recording them for the podcast. This is the first session where you get to meet the five characters, get to learn about uh, what timeline they are working from within the Star Wars universe. In classic role-playing fashion, the five of them meet in a bar, and there's a fight. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the episode with Jay Little, who is the creator of Edge of Empire, that might be worth checking out. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy a Star Wars story told by myself and five patrons. Enjoy. Playing a tabletop strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports, and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play, or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the Third Floor and the Tabletop Talk Broadcast. So this is our first session for what I hope to be a very long campaign. Um, I would like to just quickly start uh, with uh, some introductions. So our, our the first character I'd like to uh, I'd like to have introduce the player is uh, our Rodian Chal. Who's playing uh, Who's playing Chal? So I'm uh, Vashek. Uh, I'm from Czech Republic, Prague, and I've been playing uh, RPG games since ages. However, we didn't have D&D, but we had this knockoff D&D Red Book. Basically, uh, the only thing we could get, and it was called uh, Drachidopia. So this is where I started, and slowly I transitioned to other games, and now we're playing the Age of the Empire for Fantasy Flight Games. Very cool. Uh, another character that we're going to learn more about is Tate Sill. So who is playing Tate? I am. This is Keith Suderman. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I've been playing role-playing games since D&D sometime in the 80s. And, um, and uh, lately I've been enjoying a lot of role-playing games with my kids, but, uh, but it's really nice to play with some adults here. <laughs> All right. So another character we're going to learn more about is DT24, our only droid character. And who is playing uh, DT? That would be me. I'm Roman Heckenberger uh, from Indianapolis, and uh, I'm, I've been playing various types of RPGs since late high school, and uh, mostly D&D, mostly Pathfinder. Been getting more into the, the indie side of things, and I've played a little bit of Edge of the Empire previously, and it's been a, a great fun, and this group, I'm very excited to see how it all goes. <laughs> it's going to be fun. All right, so another character, Ricks. Who's playing Rex? Yeah, I'm playing Rex. My name's Nick Westbrook. I'm out of Houston, Texas. Uh, this is, I'm still an RPG beginner. Uh, I was on the uh, Flashback episode uh, podcast, and uh, that was my first 
dip into uh, uh, role playing. Uh, primarily a Malifaux and board gamer. So this is uh, exciting to join y'all with some experienced players here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, so the last character that we really shouldn't bother learning too much about because I'm going to have him dead within the hour, that is Titus Vale. (laughs) Who is playing Titus? (laughs) I'm Robert Singer, also from Indianapolis. Uh, Many of you may have heard me on Third Floor Wars uh, with Craig and also in an episode with Roman. Um, I also am one of the co-hosts for the podcast Game Store Dropouts, uh, which is predominantly about role-playing games, um, mostly a focus on D&D, but others as well. I've been uh, playing role-playing games for 20-plus years. Uh, more recently, um, it's been a lot of D&D, um, and, but really excited to dive into this game, especially since I get to be a player. And very often, I am uh, the one GMing, so very very much looking forward to this opportunity to play it is funny i i um my entire role-playing career i always ended up being the gm and uh there's a day where i'll get to play an rpg i don't know when it is (laughs) but um uh i do and i'm not complaining i love i love running it um so guys we are playing the fantasy flight um star wars system which uh uh, has three different books. We're going to be focusing on the Edge of Empire, um, which is you know talks about the scum and villainy of the Outer Rim. Um, let's first put us where we are in the timeline. So, just a few months ago, uh, the Battle of Yavin occurred, which means we're right at the end of A New Hope, Episode Four, and the first Death Star has blown up. Word has spread. Um, some people believe it. Some people don't. Uh, the Empire um, has put a, already started putting out the propaganda um, that, uh, A, it didn't occur at all, um, and that the rebellion is weak. Um, and like I said, we're going to be focusing um, out on the Outer Rim. Now, before we kind of dive in, there's a podcast that I like to listen to called The Hydean Way. And one thing that they do on The Hydean Way that I really like is they have one character... Uh, ask another character a question and it gives an opportunity for all the players and the listeners to kind of learn a little bit about the characters. So we're going to be doing that periodically um, throughout these episodes. So I want to imagine that the camera fades from black and we find ourselves on a black sun space station and it's a workshop and the workshop has got all kinds of tools and wires and everything around and the camera pans across and we see a Rodian male, um, uh, average height um, and in his hand he has a data pad and we notice that the data pad has several wires coming off of it and they're all connected to a droid who's sitting in a chair in front of the Rodian and we see the Rodian, um, you know, working the data pad. Um, we see some of the connections lighting up um, as they uh, um, come through, and then the eyes light up on the droid itself. So our Rodian is Chal. So Chal, physically, can you describe yourself? So I'm a Rodian, uh, basically green bug guy, and the most important physical aspect is a burn injury. So basically half of the body, half of the head, missing tentacle, uh, which there was an accident with thermal detonator that uh, somehow uh, didn't make my day during during a heist. So 
this is where we are and uh, should I continue from where you left off? No, I'll, I'll kind of set us up a little bit more, but that gives us an idea. And for those of you listening uh, that are not familiar with Star Wars um, as much as us geeks are, uh, Greedo, who uh, um, got shot by Han first, by the way, uh, Greedo is a Rodian. So you can kind of imagine Chal being uh, uh, similar to uh, Greedo from uh, A New Hope. So like I mentioned, um, Chal has a data pad, and, he, and he's connected to uh, a, a droid, and that droid is uh, DT-24. So DT-24, can you kind of describe yourself physically? Uh, yes, DT-24 is built on the chassis of a BX uh, Commando stealth droid, which if you've seen uh, Star Wars, Clone Wars, the animated TV show, you'll see them in there a few times. They're essentially uh, regular battle droids, but with a smaller head, a little chunkier, and they have they were deployed for stealth missions, so they can... Uh, they're, they're more capable in every way and don't die to a single blaster fire. So we will we'll get more into kind of um, who Chal and DTR um, as we go on. We'll uh, also kind of you know get into why you know Chal is <laughs> connected to uh, DT uh, both um, as a relationship as well as like physically right now they are connected between the data pad and there, but. Um, Chal, this is not the first time DT has come online. He was down for some maintenance. You did some diagnostics on him. He's now coming back online. Um, so what would you like to ask DT? So I'm running class the diagnostics. Uh, DT24, you should be online. Do you copy? Everything fine? I copy. Okay, good. So uh, it was a bit rough to get you started. So. Can you tell me uh, what's the last thing you remember before I turn you on? Are the Separatists and the Republic still fighting that war? Well, some time might have passed already by that, so it's a bit late. Uh, uh, we don't call Separatists uh, anymore. Uh, there is a thing we call Empire and Rebels. So uh, it has been quite a few years. So I see uh, you... Can you can you check your time? I've run. Uh, I've connected you to some basic diagnostics through my data through my data pad. You should be able to get some uh, latest news downloaded. Uh, how many years is it since you've been uh, offline? It appears to be approximately fifteen years since I have been online. Oh, that would explain why I had such hard time to get you back online. So. Uh, basically, we're uh, we're in the Black Sun facility, and we my task was to bring you up and get you working. So you can stretch your legs, walk around, and I think uh, you should be good to go. All right, that's great, guys. That's exactly what uh, what I was hoping for. So now we're going to flash forward if, um, uh, a bit through time, and um, now um, we're going to focus on a. Uh, uh, Deveronian uh, male who is currently um, in his apartment in Narshadal. And for those of you that are not familiar with Deveronians, they are those the devil-looking um, guys that was we first first saw them uh, in A New Hope in the cantina on Tatooine. Um, he's um, physically an, an imposing person, um, like many Deveronians, and he has um, uh, 
got a, a, a hollow connection um, with a old, older looking Twi'lek male. Um, so, you know, we, we know the Twi'leks um, from the movies. Uh, the dancer for one of the dancers for Job of the Hutt was a Twi'lek. They've got um, appendages that come off their head. Um, and if you watch Rebels, you know the captain was a Twi'lek as well. Um, the gentleman that um, uh, this Deveronian is talking to through the hollow, uh, hollow connection is, um, is m- pretty road hard looking. He's older. Um, his, uh, appendages are coming off his head or, are, are, th- uh, emas- um, emancip- not emancipated. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Emaciated. They're, they're emaciated. Thank you. They're emaciated. <laughs> um, and, uh, Rick's uh, the De- uh, Deveronian. He is um, he's spoken to this person before, and this person is uh, known as uh, Beju Larbeck. Most people just call him Larbeck, and he's an underboss in the Black Sun Crime Syndicate. And um, Rick's, let's start off by um, you know finding out uh, exactly you know what you look like and kind of who you are. What do we know about Rick's? Yeah, so. Rix is, uh, like you said, a Deveronian. Um, he's uh, an explorer by trade um, and uh, uh, charts different uh, uh, routes through the Outer Rim for smuggling operations and, and uh, uh, is, is, a, is a pilot and, and, and travels all throughout the, the Outer Rim. And Rix, you have dealt with Larbeck before. Um, you've uh, been on a couple of his jobs. He's hired you to accompany some of his crews um, as they either are trying to find uh, inconspicuous ways to go from one part of the rim to the other, or there's been instances where he's asked you to help them find um, you know, specific planets, um, remote moons, and things like that. He's reached out to you, um, and he's let you know that um, he needs... He needs a little help, which is going to give you um, some opportunities. And he explains to you that he wants to put together a loose group, a crew, um, that he wants to not only be, um, you know, some something that he has available to him to he can reach out to. But he makes it very clear to you that he wants you guys to be what he calls off the books. So he doesn't want the greater world, the Empire, or anybody else to know about you guys, but he also doesn't want the Black Sun to be aware of you as well. Um, He explains to you that he's going to be sending uh, a few of his associates uh, your way, um, and he's going to uh, ask you um, you where you want him to meet. You explain that there's a bar in the Karelian sector of Narshada that you uh, frequent a lot, Just say, and you let him know, I'll be at the Orange Lady. Um, and on this date, and he says, "Great, they're uh, they're going to be there. I don't have anything for you guys to do now, but I want you to start working together. Um, I have no doubt um, that you guys will be able to find work uh, very quickly. And um, at some point in time in the future, um, I may need uh, may need you guys to do some work for me." So now, camera fades away from that scene. We now are going to a freighter, a large freighter that looks inconspicuous. But once we get into the interior of the freighter, this is obviously a smuggling operation of uh, from the Black Sun. And we go back to seeing Chal and DT sitting inside of the uh, freighter. The freighter is headed to Nar Shaddaa. Larbeck um, arranged for you guys to get on here. He explained to you, too, that, um, you know, it's time to 
really kind of get DT out there and working. Um, he explained to you that he wants both of you off books. Um, so if anybody from the Black Sun um, you encounter, you don't know who Larbeck is. You've never worked with Larbeck and you're not connected to Larbeck. Um, he's told you about a Deveronian man named Rix who's going to be on Narshadal, um, who he wants you to work with, plus a couple other people. So, Chal, can you um, tell us a little bit about yourself? So uh, basically my story is uh, that uh, I'm from Rhodia and I've started as a, uh, basically as a robber. I was robbing or as a thief, not a robber. I was thieving with a small group that we had there and uh, there I honed my skills. I was mainly the tech guy. So I was the guy who was preparing. Uh, I was the guy who sneaked in and opened the door from inside. And also uh, my favorite leisure time activities to create stuff. So mainly explosives, stun grenades, thermal detonators, and well, not thermal detonators lately. I'm, I found a quite a respect for them to be made uh, by hand, but mainly frag grenades and stuff like that. I try to avoid conflict. My main focus is to get the people in, steal the stuff and get out. I mainly use the grenades as uh, basically a form of uh, negotiation. Let's say <laughs> it can uh, it can get us uh, it can get some door open to say if I'm not able to do it myself. <laughs> That's awesome. And sitting next to you is DT24. Um, what do we need to know about DT24? Howdy friends, Craig here. Nothing makes Malifaux easier than having the right tools. Here at the third floor, we love all the licensed Malifaux goodies from Custom Meeple. Not only are they helping support this podcast, they sell custom-made weird licensed tokens and terrain. They sell it all. Crew boxes, terrain, markers, tokens, and even a 3x3 full Malifaux board. Custom Meeple sells a complete M3E token set covering every marker and token you need to play. Custom Meeple are the source for the official accessories for Malifaux. Everything is designed by hand and authorized by Weird Games. Check them out at custommeeple.com, that's with one M, or follow the link in the show notes. Up your Malifaux game and be sure to tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. If you use the promo code third floor friend, all one word, T-H-I-R-D-F-L-O-O-R-F-R-I-E-N-D, you'll get a 5% discount and help support the podcast. It's valid on everything except retail products and playmats. Well, DT was created for the Clone Wars uh, by the Separatists, of course, and he'd been on a few missions, but it was towards the end of the the main need for him before Order 66. So he didn't see a ton of action uh, before he was sold off to Black Sun, but ended up in a, a box in the back. Uh, and they had, they had already upgraded him essentially to be more of an assassin droid. And he essentially had a, a subroutine running all the time while he was more than otherwise powered down. And that's led to him just slightly being online enough to develop a personality between that and the upgrades uh, and be a little weird. Uh, so with knowing that, that Larbeck is now the one to have bought him or demothballed him and gotten him, uh, commissioned as his own droid DT is, is 
being his smuggler for the moment to prove his his loyalty based on these upgrades. Don't want any assassin uh, technology accidentally misfiring and, and killing his boss. So we're, <laughs> we're uh, testing before we trust at this point, but he's he's since been turned on. He's updated his database and understands enough to know that there is a, an advantage to being a droid where nobody's going to give you a second look most of the time, but there's also a, an advantage to not looking like a droid and being one. So he's developed this weird habit of wearing clothes. Uh, so he, he goes around in boots and a big coat and a big hat uh, and with like a, a scarf that he can pull up. So it looks if he wants to do that, he can kind of pass off as someone in armor, especially with the, the voice changing that the BX droids do. So at the moment, he's just trying to figure out how everything works now that the war isn't on. And the big thing for him is he's confused and captivated by the fact that droids aren't like shot on sight anymore but they're not <laughs> treated uh they're, they're not treated as equals and he's trying to figure that out all right so guys we fade away um now that we've uh gone to that and we now are going to the cockpit of a, a yt2400 and for those of you listening that aren't familiar with that um imagine a smaller uh, but not much smaller freighter that's that aesthetically is similar to a uh, Millennium Falcon type freighter, but uh, uh, quite a little bit different um, as well. And we'll have pictures of the whole crew as well as their sh uh, this ship um, on the website, um, which will be linked in the show notes. But um, there we come across uh, a human male, um, older, uh, in his 50s, um, and... In, in a weird way, it looks like he has been picked out of the Old West and dropped into the cockpit of this YT-2400. He's got a duster um, uh, on. And if you look closely, you realize that, you know, obviously uh, this is a style choice. Um, and he is, you know, fully immersed in this world as well. And he's Tate Sill. So, Tate, what do we need to know about you? Well, Marshall Sill got his start in the uh, in the core worlds, but uh, quickly headed out towards the rim. He uh, he was the, uh, the the plain clothes marshal on uh, many passenger um, flights up and down the Corellian Run. Um, but uh, he decided he wanted to settle down on a planet about six years back. Got picked for a a, a mining colony. Um, spent some time there. Um, things weren't to his liking he wanted to travel he um and uh was suffering on that planet he did a good job but uh it wasn't his his thing things ended abruptly and horribly tragically for the colony a few months ago and tate found himself um on the uh on the move again not quite uh not quite the way he'd planned so he um here he is in uh in hut space um and uh yeah, he wears a, a weather-beaten duster, weather-beaten black hat, weather-beaten face, droopy gray mustache. Um, this guy has been uh, treated hard by life, but uh, you can tell just by looking at him that he's an optimist. He thinks somehow, against all odds and against all evidence, things are going to work out. So, uh, Marshall Sill, you... Um you know, tangentially ended up 
uh, working um, and uh, doing a little bit of work for the Black Sun, and that's how you came across Larbeck. And you know, Larbeck reached out to you and he said, "Look, uh, Marshall, I know that um, you're trying to kind of get your." you know, life straight right now. Um, and I would imagine you're a little low on credits and I've got uh, a, a, an opportunity for you. So he had you come to one of the Black Sun stations and he didn't meet with you physically because Larbeck doesn't do that. But um, he threw a message, said, look, here's the keys. Um, I've got a YT, YT2400 in uh, Bay 4. And what I'd like you to do is to hop in that and head off to Narshadal. And when you get there, I want you to go to a bar called the Orange Lady in the Carillion Sector. And there you're going to meet a few people. Um, and I would like for you to uh, work with them for a little while. And at some point, I um, might ask you to do things. And he also explains to you that um, you guys are off books. But he does ask you to stop by and pick up one more person and bring them with you. And that person is going to be Titus. So Titus, the first thing I need to know is where is where is Marshall still picking you up? The Marshall is picking Titus up on the planet Raxus in the city of Tamwith Bay, where uh, Titus has just completed um, his most recent bounty job. And Titus, talk to me about what do we need to know about Titus? Titus Vale is a Mandalorian warrior turned bounty hunter in the Outer Rim. Rumors abound as to why Titus left Mandalore. Some say he was exiled, while others claim he played a role in insurrection. Whether against a Mandalorian house or the Empire is unclear and a subject of much debate and gossip among Cantina scum. What is indisputable is that since arriving in the Outer Rim, Vale has proved himself to be a deadly and efficient bounty hunter who rarely asks too many questions and gets the job done. Furthermore, it is said that Vale has caught the eye of the Black Sun because of his willingness to negotiate reduced credit compensation in exchange for information that he desires. As far as how he looks, Titus is um, does wear uh, kind of some scraps of Mandalorian armor, uh, his actual Mandalorian armor. Uh, he has not been uh, donning the full suit. Um, while he is uh, here on the Outer Rim. Um, he, the armor that he does wear uh, is silver. Um, otherwise, he is wearing mostly uh, black clothes uh, and a green cloak. Um, he also um, has a um, uh, salt and pepper beard and uh, hair, um, kind of in a, a swept back look. Um, and green eyes so oh titus, titus also titus. carries a um pistol to his side blaster pistol to his side but he also uh is known for carrying a large spear blaster uh, a moncala spear blaster on his back uh that functions both as a uh, blaster rifle and as a uh, halberd like spear and Larbrook has uh, strung you along a little bit. He's given you some work um, and claims to have some of the information that you're trying to find. Uh, but you've got a lot to prove to him. So he lets you know that um, a uh, gentleman is going to come by and pick you up and you're going to head to Narshadal. And he gives you the same speech he gave everybody else about what he wants you to do um, and how he wants you to be available. And um, that, again, this is uh, completely off books. So now let's kind of get to where we are today. 
The camera opens up on the smuggler's moon, Nar Shaddal. It's the largest moon of the planet Nal Hutta, um, which is the heart of Hut space. Nal Hutta is where um, the, uh, the Huts uh, as a species come from. And it's located, obviously, in the outer rim. Uh, uh, Nar Shaddal is a, as a city world. So much like Coruscant, the entire world is covered in urban sprawl. It has city lights that are visible from space. Now the capital of Nar Shaddaa is Hutta Town, and that's really the whole city, the whole planet is, is built off of these made huge tower blocks that are a patchwork all over the city, but they're connected with shantytown structures called sky slums. And every visible surface of this planet is covered either with these city towers or with the sky slums that connect them all to each other. And until recently, uh, Narshadal was run by a hut by the name of Gracchus. Um, but, and nobody really can get a straight story. Uh, Gracchus is no longer in charge. It hasn't been for uh, several months now, and it's not cl real clear why. Um, and uh, there's rumors that there's going to be some uh, shifts of power um, as the huts decide who is going to run Narshadal going forward. So the camera fades as we zoom in and we go down to the Corillian sector of, of, of the Smuggler's Moon, which is uh, uh, the, the, these cities, just like Coruscant, are multi-level. So the lower levels of all of these tower cities um, are are slums um, and the, what connects them all are slums but as you go closer to the surface as you go into the higher levels uh, Narshadal gets nicer and nicer now even at the very top levels Narshadal is not Coruscant it is not core world it's still outer rim um, but some people have called it um, some of the upper and mid layers you know kind of the Las Vegas of the outer rim um, where you can go and um, as long as that you are willing to uh, either uh, through credits or or respect, pay tribute to the huts that are running uh, the smuggler's room. Anybody can find work there. So we focus in on a bar in the Karelian sector called the Orange Lady. Um, and to get an idea of what the Orange Lady uh, looks like, imagine Las, a Las Vegas bar, but not the Strip. We're talking old Vegas. And the Orange Lady, you can tell, is, is trying to be more than it really is. It... Um, it, it's neon is everywhere. There's lights going on. There's a, a large bar in the center. Behind it is a is a droid that's uh, bartending for the uh, um, everybody that is coming in there. And the the bar is is pretty busy. You've got all kinds of different um, uh, species there. Um, everybody's kind of clumped together in their own little groups and discussing it. Um, so even though this tries to look like a modern, uh, almost core world type nightclub bar, the reality is it's no different than a cantina on Tatooine where you've got uh, all kinds of discussions and going in. So the camera kind of weaves its way through the crowd and it goes towards the back. And in the back, we see <coughs> Rick's sitting um in a booth um and next um next to him is our friend chal and dt and they're kind of discussing and talking to each other and at that moment two other men walk in um marshall sill and titus so marshall sill and titus you guys have just arrived uh chal and dt you sat down um and introduced yourself to ricks maybe five minutes ago so i want to go right to um titus and marshall as you walk into the bar 
Well, we take a quick look around, just trying to get a feel for uh, where these people we're supposed to meet are. And, um, and uh, well, I think both of us are likely on high alert anytime we walk into a room. You know, where's the way out? Who looks like they're controlling this place? Where's the, uh, where's the most likely threat? We're both uh, planners. <laughs> Now, is there is there any information that you guys want to glean right now, or is it just your you want to make sure that I know that you guys are aware? Yeah, I think both of us are looking around, as uh, the marshal said, to uh, make sure that we know uh, the exits and um, entry points, uh, the major threats, and also keeping an eye out for the uh, individuals that we're supposed to be meeting. Just generally being alert. And kind of laying the uh getting a lay in the land if you will okay good so let's do this um uh between the marshal and titus um can you guys tell me what your perception is uh so how many dice and how many ranks each of you have looks like i've got a green and a yellow there that, how about uh, you titus titus has a yellow and a green for perception Okay, so you guys both had the same perception. So what we'll do is we're going to do what's what's called a, a group check, which is the two of you with similar abilities, you're both going to look. Um, and because one is not greater than the other, um, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a boost. Now, very quickly, and we'll learn more about this system as we go, because I know some listeners have not uh, are not familiar with it, but Fantasy Flight, like all of their games, has custom dice. And these are what are called narrative dice. There's good dice and bad dice. So these guys have... Two, two die, they've got a green ability die, and they've got a yellow proficiency. So they're both um, pretty good at perception. Um, that's what the proficiency has. And there's going to be good symbols that show up on there. We'll learn more about those. I then add some difficulty to it. So in this case, it's going to be an average check, which means you're going to get two um, uh, uh, difficulty die, so two purple die. And I've got the pool ready, so you're going to roll um, and either one of you can do it. Uh, Titus, why don't you do it? You're going to roll and you're going to be rolling two purple, a blue, a green, and a yellow. Um, so just go to your perception and give it a roll. All right. So we got um, net two successes. And again, we'll talk a little bit more how things cancel out. But essentially, after all the dice were rolled, the bad dice had some results, the good dice had some results, and they all canceled out to Titus, you having two successes. So you and the marshal are checking things out. Um, one, there's definitely a back room um, that you can see. It's not clear whether that leads to another exit. So from what you can see right now, the only exit is where you're coming in. Um, so uh, to your back appears to be the only exit right now. Looking things over, they're outside of the droid behind the bar and what are obviously some server droids that are scooting around going from you know group to group. There doesn't seem to be any institutional muscle. Um, here um, that's obvious to you but um, looking at the crowd itself this is a um, you know it's obviously a collection of the scum and villainy of the outer rim as opposed to some core worlds drinking martinis as far as armaments much like you and, and Syl people have blasters some people have some axes um, on their backs. Um, it's not uncommon in Arshadaw to, to have weapons there. Now 
in Narshadal, um, the huts allow a certain level of disagreements to occur. If things do get out of hand, um, there is security services all throughout uh, the planet um, that will tend to come and squash things. Most people that come to Narshadal um, would prefer not to show up on the radar of the huts. Um, so often these security forces, um, just their presence alone tends to end whatever's uh, conflict is happening at that point. With that, we'll make our way over to uh, to the table. I assume we spot our uh, our um, our contacts. Yeah, so you work yourself you work your way through the crowd and you um, in the very far back, you find exactly who you expected to find. Um, and that in a booth, you've got Ricks, um, uh, Chal, and uh, uh, DT. So as you guys get to the booth, um, those five of you are there. Um, there are uh, a few spaces open. So uh, Marshall, uh, you and Titus um, sit down. Um, Ricks, you acknowledge them because they're exactly now everybody who Larbeck told you would be showing up. Everybody is here. I look across the table and I say, my back is to the door. Somebody better be looking. <laughs> and uh, greetings, gentlemen. We uh, we were told to meet you here. Um, where are we headed next? Nobody's told me that yet. Chol greets you as well, Marshall. And we were just told to get here, get together and work it out. That's all the information I have. And I brought myself this... Uh, Tinken that we also uh, recovered and is my companion. BX Commando Droid, huh? I haven't seen one of them since the Clone Wars. How'd you get one as one of your companions? So, uh, well, funny story. Uh, basically, it, it seems that uh, I had the task to uh, bring him online and he's from the uh, from the dro- Droid Wars era. It's, uh, he lived through the separatist war it seems and uh, then he went to sleep and I brought him back in so this is one of my things I do I basically repair stuff and since we gave him an oil bath and we were told to go here and get together with you guys I presume oil bath and all those clankers were dangerous during the war lost some friends to them how do you know it's not going to slit your throat in your sleep? Yeah, well, <laughs> about that. Well, I <laughs> kind of didn't have any by by hand, and uh, my employer basically didn't uh, didn't give me. And I'm kind of short on money, so you know, we'll figure it out as we go, I guess. Um, that's that's what uh, Charles is saying. Yeah, true. Uh, Diti, why don't you introduce yourself? That you're harmless, right? You, you don't do anything. I am Diti Twenty Four. I am here to watch your back. Sil, Sil is ever the optimist. He uh, slides his hand around the back of his belt, and he feels his uh, human restraint cuffs, and he feels his uh, robot restraining bolt, and then he puts his hands back on the table. Um, ever the optimist <laughs> so all of you guys all of you guys have your head on a swivel um uh dt chal ricks you guys are looking out at the bar always watching not only the new people that you're sitting at the bar with but everything else happening in the bar and 
Ricks, this is for the last several weeks that you've been on Narshadal. Um, this has been kind of your place, um, and uh, you've gotten uh, familiar with, uh, you know, the robots that uh, do the serving. In fact, a small, um, uh, a small wheeled uh, robot serving robot comes up. Master Ricks, would you or your friends care for a refreshment? Yes, let's uh, get around for everybody here, please. None for me, like. Yeah, I will get the Rodian Ale. Maybe just the regular one Rodian Ale. So the robot heads off, um, uh, working his way up to the bar. So as you're waiting for that drink to um, uh, go, I need a perception check from Rix. And Rix, I'm going to set the difficulty for you. And this is going to be an easy check. So you're only going to get one difficulty die. If you go to your skills and your perception, um, the pool is ready if you want to go ahead and roll. So he rolled a uh, perception of two green and one yellow. So you've got um, uh, very nice perception skills, by the way. And uh, with only one difficulty die after ever, everything cancels out, you end up with one success. So you look from where you're sitting, Rick, you can see the end of the bar. And uh, the robot that's behind the bar bartending is multi-armed. It hangs down from the ceiling and is able to service the entire bar, which takes up about two thirds of, of the orange lady. You notice that the bar hands a uh, drink over to a um, Twi'lek male. Um, he's a blue-skinned Twi'lek and uh, has seen better days. Uh, he's slightly hunched over. He has a cane. He's older. The reason that this is um, you're noticing this is as they're talking to each other, you see the bartending robot point to you. And so... This gentleman takes his mug, he and he starts to head over to you. And like I said, he's slightly hunched over. He's older. Um, in fact, he, he's a Twi'lek who's actually missing one of his appendages off the head. Um, and he starts to work his way towards you. He'll be there in roughly 20 seconds. Uh, I look over at uh, Marshall and uh, the gentleman who's gentleman next to Marshall. I'm sorry, guys. Titus. I say, uh, gentlemen, uh, uh, there's a, a toilet behind you guys that's that's heading this way. Uh, the bartender pointed out at us. I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, be aware. Titus stands up, kind of in an intimidating manner. As okay. do I. <laughs> so you guys stand up and turn around, and, um, you know, the, the, this guy... Um, definitely an older gentleman and he's, he's slowly working his way uh towards you and he locks eyes with you ricks um and, and as he approaches he goes are you rick smithcock uh who's asking my name is jacek and we have a a mutual friend and he told me right about this time that i should be able to find you and apparently a few others uh here at the bar and who might this friend of ours be? Probably the same friend that asked you to come here as well. Um, I have, I, I, I have a need for your skills. Can I sit? Yeah, yes. Mr. Jacek, take my chair, and I'll slide into the uh, the booth facing the uh, door. 
So <laughs> older man sits down and, you know, you guys, you guys have seen a lot in your time. And the one thing this guy is not putting off is anything threatening. <laughs> um, if if this guy is dangerous, then uh, he is the most in, uh, the, he's the biggest fooler there is. He sits down, he sets his drink up. As as the uh, servant servant's joy comes up and puts drinks in front of uh, everybody, of course, except for DT. So, Ricks, I I have something I want to show you. And he starts to reach into his pocket, and he stops himself and he goes, "It's my understanding you have a ship. Is that correct?" That is correct. Okay. So I have an opportunity, and as those words are leaving his mouth, somebody else almost appears out of nowhere, um, and it's very rare for all of you um, not to see something coming. But a large Trandoshan um, is now uh, walked up behind Jacek um, and standing there, and Trandoshans are uh, your Bosk, um, so the kind of the lizard men um, that we see as one of the bounty hunters. And he sets his um, hand down on the shoulder of, J- of Jacek. If you're looking for a ship, my crew is happy to help. So as Chol, I, I go to DT. You should be starting your combat subroutines just in case. You know, Sill is right there at the... Uh, he just gave up his chair. He'll stand back up again. He probably comes up to this thing's chin, doesn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, 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 right up to his chin. It's, it's definitely, he's definitely pretty tall. Sit down. Everything is fine. He has come here obviously looking for a crew. I, Grail, have the best crew for you, Jacek. That may be true. We're just talking. And he did call him by name. Oh, he did, didn't he? So... Jacek looks up and, and you, you you can see on Jacek's face, it does he doesn't appear to know this guy. Um, you don't get a sense of like, oh my God, like, you know, I can't believe he's here. Look on his face. He, he is definitely puzzled. Transocean moves his hand off the shoulder and kind of grabs the, grabs the arm of, of uh, Jacek and, he, and he's like physically starting to ma- have Jacek stand up. Come, I'll introduce you to the crew. While he's standing, Titus will look at uh, the trend ocean and say, I suggest you on hand our acquaintance here. You and your friends will not like what happens if you do not let him go. DT does too. No. No need for a problem. In fact, I'm reading you of a problem. Why should this old man be bothering you? You're enjoying yourself at the bar. I'm sure all my friends here would be happy to allow you to stay and enjoy yourself. He is not bothering us. So at this point, he has now physically stood stood up, Jacek, and and they're and you know starting to back away. Um, and he's not, you know, he doesn't have him in a headlock by any stretch of the imagination, but he is physically controlling Jacek at this point. You also notice that. There are specific numbers of heads turned 
that are being very that are very focused on it. So you've got just a group um, that um, is no longer part of their conversation. Other people are ignoring this. This is not odd. This type of uh, conversation happening, but at, you can count at least six people um, that have turned their attention throughout the bar to what's happening here. Transocean puts up one arm. Um, and it starts to physically back away. Um, so let me give you an idea of where we are. Uh, both Marshall and Syl have stood up. Um, the Transdotion and our friend Jacek um, are st- still in engagement range. And just real briefly for those listening, uh, one of the things that's neat about this system is really distance is an abstract. Distance is what is one thing relative to the other. Um, so we don't talk about things being two feet away, three feet away, four meters away. Um, there's just different range bands. So right now, um, uh, as this Transocean is backing away, he's moving from being engaged uh, with the five of you to more of a short distance from the five of you. But probably the biggest thing is now the people that seem to be paying a lot of attention you've got six of them kind of breaking away from the conversations and the groups that they were on and they're starting to move towards him in reaction to the um, Transocean raising his hand oh boy here we go again (laughs) hey Craig with uh, Rick's being here prior to everybody else's arrival uh, do I notice or, or recognize these this group of, of, of individuals um, that we're encountering right now? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. What I'd like you to do is let's do a uh, knowledge underworld. Um, I have set your difficulty at two for an average difficulty, but I'm giving you a boost because, again, of your familiarity and how much time you spent in the Orange Lady. So the pool is ready for you. Why don't you give me a roll? Knowledge underworld. Here we go. All right, so after all the dice cancel out, we have two successes and a threat. So um, I'll explain to you what those successes are. But for those listening, one of the things the bad dice can do is after it cancels everything out, it can end up with uh, a symbol that's called a threat symbol. And what's neat about the dice system is you don't just succeed or fail. There's degrees of success and degrees of failure. So we're going to see here in a minute that Rick's um, does uh, uh, get some information based off of his, success, his successes. But this threat means that even though he succeeded, things didn't go quite as well as he probably hoped. And me as the GM, I have the ability to decide what that threat means. So, Rick's for you. Um, I'm going to explain to you who, these, who this gentleman is uh, in a second, but this is a stressful situation now that you just kind of realized I, I know who this is. So what I'd like you to do is click on your token And if you click on your token, you've got a red circle, a green circle, and a blue circle. The blue circle is your soak, which we'll talk about later. The green circle is your current level of strain. The red one is your current level of wounds. Um, So what I need you to do is click on the the, uh, green circle and just type in plus one and hit enter, and that should give you a strain of one. (coughs) Strain is a measurement of your mental acuity and your mental stress. So you have never met this uh, Transdotion before, <clears throat> but you know who he is. He's Grail Nor, G-R-A-A-Y-L Nor. Um, a guy that runs a crew out of Narshadal, um, and it's not too uncommon for his crew to spend time here in the Orange Lady. He is always looking for work, um, seems to struggle finding work more than uh, everybody else. He, uh, You've seen him 
had gotten a few physical altercations before. Um, and just like uh, everybody in the Orange Lady, nobody draws weapons here. Um, but uh, there has been more than a few physical altercations with this guy. And uh, from your understanding, I'll use your second success. Um, he's bad news. He's bad news. All right. Any last things real quick before we move into what's called structured time? I was going to say, seeing this, I, I think I should be standing at this point. Okay. Howdy, friends. Here on the third floor, you'll find us playing Malifaux and other tabletop games using Mats by Mars. Their mats are scratch-resistant, waterproof, wet-erase marker-compatible, and lighter than neoprene. Their mats use a new material that eliminates almost all glare, which is perfect if you're filming battle reports or you're under some glaring lights. Mats by Mars gives you over 40 designs to choose from. Pick a mat size, pick a print or design, and then choose an overlay for Marble Crisis Protocol, Star Wars Legion, or even Malifaux 3rd Edition strats and schemes. The overlays will speed up your deployment and the placement of all of your objective markers. Until the end of September 2020, you can use the new promo code THIRDFLOOR920 to get a 10% discount on your next order. The promo code is in the show notes. When you place your order, don't be afraid to tell Mats by Mars you'd like a Third Floor Wars logo to be put on your mat at no charge. It's the only way to make the best mat in the market even cooler. Again, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR920 to get a 10% discount. All the details are in the show notes. Uh, I will try to look around if there is some interface I could plug into try just uh, try to do some hacking or just mess up with the lights or some kind of situation like this if it's possible from this place um, so you kind of look around Chal, and um, it doesn't appear there's going to be anything you can connect to via your data pad um, but um, something that is you know, what off away is is basically an empty DJ booth. <laughs> so across from you in the other corner of the of the Orange Lady is uh, what appears to be a DJ booth, and there's music, uh, you know, blasting, and there's a dance floor in front of it. Nobody's dancing. The DJ booth is not being used. But more than likely, if you were to potentially connect to something and uh, potentially hack in or slice into uh, the bar, that might be the place to do it. So, guys, what I want to do is move into what's called structured time. So th there's really kind of two two different uh, ways time is handled in this game. You've got uh, narrative time, which is what we've been in, where we tell stories to each other. We tell each other what's happening. But when potentially there's going to be some conflict, we move into what's called structured time. And we go ahead and do something that happens in most RPGs, and that is uh, have an initiative role. So you guys have all had your head on a swivel um, this whole time. So there's two different ways you can roll initiative as a character. You can use your, your vigilance or your cool. Your cool is you are not surprised that potentially we're going to have a little bit of conflict. Vigilance is that you were ambushed. You did not anticipate this. So on your character sheets, each of you go to your character sheets and under combat, you should see both cool and vigilance listed. Um, there, so not where it not where it's listed in your skills. I want you to go to combat under initiative and find it there. And I'd like each of you to go ahead and roll your cool for me. All right. So did we end up with everybody? So 
Right now, we've got um, uh, all five of you went, and basically, you can either get successes or advantages on your roll. It's an unopposed roll, and that kind of determines the PC slots. I am now going to uh, quickly roll for our other group, our NPCs. All right, so let's quickly uh, take a step back here for just a second. So at the beginning of each session, um, every one of these characters has some degree of obligation, which is basically um, a pressure that they have on their life. And it could be a debt. It could be an addiction. It could be uh, they're a wanted criminal. Um, And what we do is we decide as a party how big this obligation pool is. And we roll a D100 and it determines who has uh, an obligation. And if I like to do it ahead of time, um, just so I as a GM can prepare because there's really two parts of this that happen. One, you have um, an immediate impact, which is your strain threshold, how much mental capacity you have for the session drops by two. So DT, uh, when I rolled it, I got your oath obligation. So if you can go ahead, go to your character sheet and go to your uh, strain threshold and drop it by two. Now, the other thing that can happen is we can actually see this obligation end up showing up in the story potentially as well. Um, So let me now talk about quickly the destiny pool. So another neat mechanic in the game is you have what are called light side points and dark side points. Each player rolls a die. It can potentially show one or two light side symbols or one or two dark side symbols. Players can use light side points um, at any point during the game to uh, upgrade a roll to make the chances that uh, what they're going to roll is better. They can also use it to actually impact the story. So the best example I like to put is right now, you guys are at this bar, you're at the table, and Ricks decides, you know what would be really handy to have right now is a large knife. So he flips a light side point and says, GM, if I look on the table, can I see a large knife that was left by the people that were here and they didn't completely clear the table? And me as a GM can say, yeah, you know what, for a light side point, there's a very large knife on the table for you. Um, So it allows you to kind of impact things. What's neat about it is the GM can use dark side points and those dark side points can be used to upgrade the roles of the NPCs or make things work in the favor of the NPCs as well. But what's cool is when you use a light side point, it becomes a dark side. When I use a dark side, it becomes a light side. So it's a tug and pull with a force. So if you guys go in uh, to each of your character sheets um, and click on the dice pool, you should see an area where you can um, first sync with the GM because you should show a destiny pool of zero, zero. And once you see that, you can go ahead and roll destiny. There should be a button that says roll destiny. So Ricks gives me two dark side. Troll gives me a light or gives them you guys a light side. DT gives me two dark sides. All right, so this is the the this is really pretty bad, guys. <laughs> but right now we have one light side point for the party and six dark side points. Um, so uh, we'll see how those get used over time. But right now you guys don't have a whole lot of light side. Um, available to you. So now let's go back to our initiative. We've set the initiative up. We've got two groups of minions that have um, started working their way towards the bar. And we've got our Grail Noor standing there holding Jacek and walking backwards. And right now we're going to start with an NPC slot followed by two PCs, two NPCs, and three PCs. What's neat about the way initiative works here is we don't really know which NPC 
got the first slot, but any NPC can do it. So either one of the minion groups or Grail can take that first slot. When after that, a PC gets to act. So regardless of who rolled that really nice initiative of three successes, one advantage, any of the five of you can take that slot. But by the end of the turn, all five of you will have acted. All three of the um, uh, NPCs will act. So Grail is going to actually take this first slot, and he's going to do it to do uh, two maneuvers. So when it's your slot, you have the ability to take one maneuver and one action. An action is you interacting with the world, um, shooting a blaster, hacking into something. A maneuver is, you know, is, is moving from one location to another. So as I mentioned, you guys are pretty still much in, in an engagement range. Grail is not by himself. If he was by himself, he could spend uh, two maneuvers, sacrifice his actions, take two maneuvers, and very easily get himself uh, to medium range. But he's got Jacek with him, so I'm going to go ahead and have him take two maneuvers. And he's going to get within short distance to you. So now he's kind of backed up and he's more in with the six gentlemen uh, that uh, would appear to be part of his crew. So that's the first NPC slot. So now we've got our first PC slot. So which of the five of you is going to take it first? And this is the first time we've done this together. So take your time, guys, kind of talking this through. Um, As we get better at this, though, I'm going to give you less and less time (laughs) to make decisions. So how is he uh, pulling the poor guy? So is he using him as a shield or is he just pushing him in front of him or? Yeah, Grail is walking backwards um, and he's got this old man basically by the upper arm uh, using his left hand. His right hand is not being used right now. And he's t- he's got this just huge Trandoshan like lizard claw around it, and it's not only is it captured Jacek's arm, but it, it's also wrapped around almost half of his chest. And he's not lifting Jacek off the uh, floor, but he is he is essentially dragging him, and Jacek is covering as much as an old tiny Twi'lek can cover of a Trandoshan. It's covering about half of his. Uh, body, his legs, and maybe half of his upper torso. The uh, uh, Jacek only comes up uh, really to his lower chest. And the etiquette... But he's of, still facing you. The etiquette of this cantina is um, no weapons, correct? Or... So... Um, I don't know if you'd really know that, Marshall, but um, uh, that's something that maybe Rick's uh, would share with you. Um, but in general, you're on Narshadal, and um, you know well enough, especially when you're um, in, you know, hot space, that uh, generally speaking, there's a certain level of tolerance. Um, but in a place like Narshadal, where um, it is firmly controlled by the huts. Um, blasting up and blowing up the orange lady probably will get the wrong type of attention. Just just wanted to check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about stunning up the old the orange lady? You know what? Let's do a knowledge underworld, DT. You're out of the um Let's see uh, how much of it that is in your memory banks. I'm going to go ahead and set your difficulty to two difficulties. So you've got two purple dice and you're going to go to your knowledge skills and go to underworld. What do you have in underworld? It looks like you got a yellow and a green. Okay. DT, you go back through the computer banks to try to try to figure out whether, you know, stunned, like uh, what, what can I get away with in this bar? And, you know, there's files for Narshadal there, but they haven't been touched in a long time. 
Um, you do have two advantages though. So um, here's something that happens again. So he rolled four dice. He rolled a green and a yellow and two purple. And he got uh, two failures on the purple and he got one success on the good die. Those canceled each other out. So he netted one failure. So he fails on his ability here. But he got one threat on the bad dice and two advantages on the good dice, or three advantages on the good dice, which netted out to be two advantages. So you failed, uh, DT, but you have two advantages. Um, So it was a good failure. Um, I want you to tell me exactly what happens. You go, you're not able to access this information, but... I'm not able to access this information, but... Hmm... Maybe instead of any specifics on the weapons, I'm getting some kind of information about an old version of what this building was. Maybe some kind of, if you punch through the wall here, you get outside faster or some something unknown just by looking around. Well, you know, I think part of the process is obviously you went, in, you went into your systems, right, to try to retrieve this information. But at the same time, I think that you have been very aware of the surroundings as well, right? So you were not only trying to retrieve this information, but you're trying to take in new input to help uh, kind of suss out. And, um, you know, as you were trying to figure out, like, what's allowed, what's not allowed, you notice that almost everybody in the bar is armed, um, but you have not seen any weapons being brandished by anybody. Um, so what I, what I'm thinking is, um, I would like to, uh, give you a boost on your next role because your overall awareness of the entire situation is much higher as you've been trying to suss out, uh, this information. How's that? That sounds fun. All right. So, and you'll have to remind me. So you have a boost coming on your next roll. Got it. All right, guys. So, um, uh, have we decided which of the five of you is going to act first? I'm thinking like we we spoke stunning, and I have just the thing, <laughs> and there is a nice group of people. I'm thinking like, would there be what collateral would there be if, say, a stun grenade would be just in the middle of the group? Would it uh, would it harm any civilians that are around? Maybe the bartender. Yeah, so let's let's pretend that you were to throw a stun grenade um, into the middle of the of the bar and kind of in the middle of this group because they are the seven of them plus Jacek are all kind of together. Uh, the blast radius, um, if successful, definitely would hit. Um, you know, all seven plus Jacek um, in that group, and I would venture to guess decent chance of hitting maybe another four or five um, bystanders. Ah, uh, okay. Not so keen on injuring bystanders. <laughs> Craig, can you remind me where the exits and entrances are for Titus? Uh, the, basically, aside from the, the area that myself and Marshall came in, uh, where else are there doors uh, as either an entry or exit or anything like that? So behind the DJ booth that I mentioned before, there is a door, which you don't have a sense of whether that goes to just to a back room or whether that back, you know, leads to outside. Um, you really don't know, but there is a door behind. It's the only other door you see that's behind the um, uh, the DJ booth. Now, when you walked in and you looked at the bar behind the bar, there was uh, a room as well, but there was no door on it. And it was obviously a stock room where they had, you know, different bottles of liquor and things like that. Um, so as best as you can tell, Titus, you've got a door, which you don't know, leads outside. And then the door you came in on, uh, to the south. It doesn't seem like 
we want to be mixing things up too much indoors. I'm fine to take the first slot if nobody else has anything that they want to do immediately. Anybody anybody want to challenge that or go ahead? I would not initiate. So if, if things get bad, bad, I would throw it there, but not just uh, just when nothing is happening. So it's it's too much aggression for the character. So All right, let's have Titus uh, take the first slot. Then. Yeah. Uh, Titus, you've got um, one action, one maneuver. You can sacrifice that action to take two maneuvers, or you can you can then take an additional or you can take a second maneuver with by taking two strain which will net you one action and two maneuvers uh well i think the first thing i'm gonna do is uh have titus draw the spear blaster where where do you store your uh spear gun do you carry it like a staff do you have it attached to your back what do you, how do you how do you carry that thing uh, Titus carries the spear blaster on his back, so he'd be drawing it from from behind him, uh, usually with the uh, usually over his cloak. Well, hold on one second. So here's something that's kind of cool. So you kind of give me an idea of what you want, which helps me understand mechanically what we're going to do. Right. I don't know what's going to happen until we roll the dice. So it's kind of different than in most RPGs. We say I'm going to swing my axe. And then we roll to see if you're successful. What what I like to do here is to say, okay, Craig, here's kind of what I want to do. We'll roll to see how it goes. Then we can role play it and, and go what happens. So I'm actually going to use our first uh, destiny. I'm going to go ahead and use a dark side. So that's going to upgrade the difficulty. So you've got an upgraded difficulty, which is going to um, be against his discipline. I'm going to use your coercion. So right now the, uh, um, the pool against you is... Uh, uh, two green and one uh, red, one upgraded, and the pool is ready for you if you want to go ahead and roll your deception. Or coercion, I'm sorry. So after he draws the spear, uh, I want Titus to then uh, try and, uh, in, I guess, intimidate the uh, trained ocean, and he's going to um, start to say, uh, for, sorry, for this roll, Craig, can I also use a, a light side point? Correct, and the only restriction is is that you, you we you can flip and I can flip at the same time. We just can't flip the same one, right? So you guys were sitting with one. Now you're sitting with two, but the one I just flipped is not available to you. So if you would like to use a light side point to upgrade your action, uh, you're welcome to. Uh, guys, are you got you all okay with me using a light side point here? Yeah, this could avoid quite a bit of stuff if you succeed. Go for it. Yeah. Cool, then I'll go ahead and use it. Use light side, yep. All right, so now I have upgraded your side, so now all you have to do is just go to your coercion and give me a roll. All right, so you rolled two green, one yellow, two purple, one red, and everything canceled out to nothing. No advantages, no threats, no success, but you did fail. You need one success not to fail. So now tell me what you say. Titus puffs out his chest while holding the spear blaster and says, Gentlemen, I suggest you unhand the Twi'lek here. And then slowly get the hell out of this bar. Otherwise, things are going to get quite ugly and you're not going to like it. You're a stranger here who's about to make a very large mistake. All right. <laughs> Let's go. We've got another PC slot before two NPCs get to go. Who's taking our second slot? I think that really comes down to are we still wanting to try and de-escalate or are we just going to go ahead and start figuratively or literally pulling the trigger? So here's 
<laughs> Roman, I'm going to give you just a little bit of, of uh, meta context here. So um, right now, I don't know how much we there is, right? There's a little bit of we with you and, and Chal. Um, you know, I don't know. It's possible that uh, the Marshall and Titus maybe had a beer on their flight over. Um, Rick's doesn't know who the hell any of the four of you are. The only thing that's binding you together right now is your connections to Larbeck. Um, so I'm not saying you shouldn't have this kind of we conversation. Um, but I think as far as understanding what would happen right now, I would imagine that personal uh uh, thoughts and actions might supersede things, at least for now, until you guys, you know, have worked together as a crew. But that's I like just the my idea. thought, though. That doesn't mean that has to be what happens. I like the idea that DT would just switch on for good time's sakes and old, good old time and just go <laughs> ham. I guess, like, makes sense. You know, I I probably have the de-escalation skill here, <laughs> if anybody. Do we want to take one more swing at the uh, de-escalation and then uh, release the uh, the Hounds of Hell? I am up for the action immediately. Like, we tried. He doesn't seem to be convinced. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, let's go ahead and let DT make a decision. DT, you're going to take that second yeah. slot. Okay. Um... Well, DT's mindset being a commando droid, <laughs> like, yes, there's, it's good to just go in guns blazing, but you do that with your, your, all your assets available, uh, which is where his moment of we thought at yep. the moment is coming from. But yeah, given, given that, uh, he's going now. Uh, mechanically, is it possible for him to look at Shawl and say, give me your grenade? So, yeah, so that would be a maneuver. Uh, so if you were to turn to Chawl and put your hand out for the grenade, uh, that would be a maneuver. Um, and I'd let that happen. You would still be left with an action uh, or potentially a second maneuver if you want to spend the strain. Got it. So I can I can receive grenade and throw in one turn. Correct. Cool. <laughs> Let's go ahead and do that. All right, so let's do the maneuver first. Explain to you, he, explain you. Did you notice that he? Uh, did you just knew he had a grenade? Does he have it in his hand? Uh, if I've been wandering around with him and his hobby is toying with stuff, and I am that aware of what's going on, I have an inventory of what he has in his pockets. Excellent. So, so uh, it, 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 I need to see the scene. Okay, so. DT throughout this whole conversation has kind of been doing the little I'm trying to understand droid bird head tilt <laughs> back and forth and he he sees him he's essentially just counting the numbers of okay we have large dumb animal and carrying away our, our old uh, Twi'lek what is the best percentage of getting the, the Twi'lek out and our potential assets in these guys sitting around the table not also being injured and the answer to his mathematics on that is stun them all at once i don't have a gun that can do that check inventory oh chol does (laughs) so yeah so so how 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 are you communicating with chol i keep looking at our uh, our main threat there but i under the the table hold out my hand and uh, as much as a droid can whisper 
whisper out of the side of my mouth. Give me your stun grenade. And Chal? Oh, I, I Chal understands what you need. And I will just just get the one from my tool belt that I have and I take the stun grenade out. At least I hope that stun grenade <laughs> just does it in his hand under the table. <laughs> it feels like a stun grenade. <laughs> so you hand the you hand the grenade over to DT. DT, you grab the grenade and tell me what you're gonna what, what you're uh, want to attempt. So with a, I imagine that our our threats are still mostly focused on Titus since he's been doing most of the talking. So I'm going to do a an underhanded roll to try and just get it right in the middle of, of their uh, group. And if I can do that amongst the high tensions and other sounds and everything going on in the uh, cantina without drawing their attention to it so they don't try to scatter, all the better. So I, I, I'm not even going to make your roll to, to, for like any kind of subterfuge. Uh, you definitely, nobody's going to notice what the hell you're doing here. There's just too much going on. It's at short distance, uh, so you're going to get two difficulty die, um, but I'm also going to add a setback die, which is um, another negative die, because in order for this to be successful, you need to have a reasonable amount of luck that nobody's going to walk across the path, that you're not going to run into a table, a chair. I mean, this is a pretty crowded bar, so I'm going to set one setback. Now, you don't physically have the have the grenade itself, but uh, the grenade uses range light. So if you go to your combat, go to the range mm-hmm. light skill, will you go ahead and roll that, and then I've got uh, all the stats I need to uh, let us know if you're successful. Do you have my boost on there for the I, previous roll? Oh, no, I don't. That's why you have to remind me, which I do now. <laughs> Excellent. So go ahead and roll your range light under combat. Hi there, this is Owen from the Nova Open, and I am a $5 patron of Third Floor Wars because I love supporting the whole Malifaux community. I want to help Craig and the whole Third Floor Wars team continue making the fantastic content that gets me through my daily commute. You should join me in supporting the show. Just pause this episode, head to patreon.com and search Third Floor Wars, or grab the link in the show notes. See you there. What is it worth to you to get this podcast on a weekly basis? Is it worth a dollar a month, $5 a month, $20 a month? If you'd like to help support the work that we're doing here on Third Floor Wars, please go buy our Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash thirdfloorwars. There you can pledge at any level, any dollar amount. Whatever you give us will help us put out quality content on a regular basis and hopefully make tabletop gaming a little bit better for you every week. The reason we're able to bring you this podcast every week, as well as all of the content on our YouTube channel and via our Twitch, is because of the 110 patrons that help support us. I want to give a special shout out to these patrons, who are the ones that have given us the most since the start of our Patreon. So big thank you to Nick Westbrook, Craig Chuba, Kevin Smith, Stephen Morris, Sam Newman, James Hahn, Ambrose Ingram, Jeremy Peace, Corin Soles, and Carl Lee. Because of you and the other 100 patrons, we're able to do what we do. Thanks. Tell me what happened. So for you listeners, we rolled a total of seven dice, a boost against a setback, two green and a yellow against two purple. And after everything cancels out, what did we end up with, DT? 
We have one failure. Okay, so tell me what happens. I'm thinking that that was not a stun grenade. <laughs> you so, want to go this way? <laughs> here's where as I far am. As, <laughs> yeah, as, as far as that, as, as far as, you know, making it as dramatic as possible, I feel like that's much more interesting than, <laughs> oops, it rolled under a table. So I'm not ready to do that. Uh, well, here's what okay. I am ready for is you roll... You see it going, you see it going. The red light is blinking as it's rolling and getting closer. Accurate as hell, it's headed right there. Nobody has noticed what the hell is going on. It's going under the legs of somebody walking across. It just barely (laughs) misses one of the chairs. And like, holy cow, this might work. And you see it rolling, the light gets blinking faster and faster and faster. The camera time slows down Matrix style. It lands exactly right in the middle. Not one of them is noticed. The light's going, the light's going, the light's going, then the light stops. Ah, miss wire. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Do me a favor, uh, Chal. Let's make sure we remove a grenade uh, from your inventory. All right. So now we have two NPCs. Um, I'm going to go ahead and have one of these groups work. Now, um, there's six of these minions, but the way that um, minions work in uh, Edge of Empire and the Star Wars work is that they, they're in groups and they act together. And this is something actually important to say. You know, it's like if it's your action, you don't swing a sword. You don't shoot a blaster. What happens is a series of actions all happen under one role. And, you know, one action could be several blaster shots. In this case, a minion group could come and they could, you know, do an attack and it would be several things. So here's what's going to happen is this group is going to use a maneuver and close the distance to become engaged with Titus. Yeah, no weapons because they won't have a maneuver to draw them. Uh, they're they're going to take a take a swing at you. Um, so uh, talk to me real quick. I know what your soak value is. Do you have any defense? Yeah, Titus has a defense one. Okay, so your melee defense on the sheet is a defense one. Okay, so that's going to add a setback to this. This is a melee um, action, um, so it's going to be two difficulty by default and. I have got my pool set and basically they are closing the distance. So these three guys, they close the distance. Um, They have uh, rolled two green for their ability. They had a setback uh, from the uh, armor, um, which did you no good. Uh, It came up blank. Both of their abilities came up blank. They ended up with three uh, failures and a threat. So they close the distance on you, Titus. You are prepared. And they start throwing fists physically trying to control you. They can't grab onto you. You're able to pull back just in time. Two two of the guys take a swing at you. You're able to duck and pull back um, on that as well. For that threat, one of the guys um, has slipped on uh, some uh, uh, liquid on the floor and one of the three actually falls uh, uh, prone onto, uh, onto his uh, rear end on the floor. Our second NPC group, this is the last NPC slot before we... Uh, start again. Alright, so this is going to be the last NPC action before the three remaining PCs get to go. Um, That one group sees the group running up and going after Titus, and as as that's happening, they do the same thing and take a maneuver and close the distance with the marshal. 
Marshall, I think you just have soak, right? If you go to your uh, character sheet, you have zero that's, for defense. Is that right? Okay. That's correct. So they, uh, it's going to be just a two difficulty for them. They are going to use a dark side point to upgrade their roll, though. Ooh, I see. And let's see if they have any more success taking a swing at the marshal. So, <laughs> Marshall, there is a spilled drink on the floor. <laughs> apparently, so Marshall, they come at you, and um, they close the distance, and punches start flying. Two of them are able to connect with you. Um, you're going to take a total of four damage. Now, what is your soak? My soak is two. So the way to think of soak is soak is a combination of several things. Soak is how resilient you are, what you're wearing, if you have any type of armor or protection or anything. But essentially what soak does is what the word says. It soaks some of the damage. So you are being delivered for damage um, as these punches uh, start connecting. But you're going to subtract from that for your soak. So you ultimately only end up with two damage. So do me a favor. Um... Uh, Marshall, click on your icon in the red circle. Click on it and hit plus two. Plus two? Yep. And it should add two to your um, wound threshold. Okay, perfect. So I actually want you, Marshall, to tell me what happens. Um, I'll do the threat part. So they rolled two threats, but I want to hear what happens with the successes. Well, you know, Marshall still has, has been in more than one bar fight. He's, uh, he's usually on the side of uh, settling things down. Um, he's just moving backward, hands up. We can get along. Um, however, they're um, ignoring those hands up and uh, they're swinging against him and a couple of blows land. All right. They, um, you did, Marshall, you did a very good job of seeing very unimposing at first, but then you very quickly transitioned to bracing yourself to take these punches, which is why they really didn't do a whole lot of damage, despite the fact that two of them were, you know, made some connections. Um, things are getting crowded. Um, so these guys, um, are running out of space. Um, they're a little bit off balance because you were, you know, pretty adept at uh, not just standing there to take the punches. So um, I need, just need everybody to help remind me they're going to get uh, two setbacks on their that mini group is going to get uh, a setback on their next action. Gentlemen, we have our remaining three PCs, and I believe that is Chal, uh, Ricks and the Marshal. And here it really doesn't matter because you're not going to have another NPC act until all three of you have acted unless there's something that is going to potentially one PC does something that impacts the others. So I have an idea, so maybe I can get started. So I would like, so I would like to run to the DJ booth. I let's say it would be two maneuvers. Yes, I agree. Two so maneuvers. I would have to spend extra strain. So it's two strain for extra maneuver. So I have nine left and I, I move myself to. All right. So here's, here's what I want to do first, just because it's so crowded. I want to make sure that I want to see if you're able to do this in two maneuvers. So I'm going to need a coordination check from you. Okay, so I will. Let's do. Let's let's say the first maneuver goes this direction, and I like run over the tables and do <laughs> some parkour. Yeah, you know, <laughs> to get around. Let just uh, character sheet. Which the ah, okay character info is the and coordination, right? Yeah, I need a coordination. Okay. The pool's ready for you. You've got one setback and one difficulty. 
So very nice, two successes and two advantages. So you have no trouble navigating this parkour boy. Um, so uh, you, if you want to take that second maneuver to get to the DJ booth, you sure can. Uh, okay, so I'm running. Uh, so I get big momentum. I basically leap from the uh, from the chair and I run across the table and I basically almost uh, jump over to the other table and start running and just legging it over the over the dance floor. And technically I could maybe use the advantage to generate the second maneuver instead of strain. Excellent. So let's let's do that. So you not only were you able to navigate all of the tables and the booths that were there and the people as well, but you have so much momentum going that you, once you hit that dance floor where nobody is, it's clear sailing at this point. And you're feeling good enough to kind of do the Dukes of Hazard, uh, leap <laughs> over the uh, DJ booth and slide your butt into the uh, DJ booth itself. So I agree. That's your free. That's a free maneuver from those two advantages. Let's talk actions. And okay, so what I want to do is to lock the main entrance door and I would try to find something to interfere here to get in and really try to block the escape route for the transition. So as soon as you get into the DJ booth, you can see the entire console um, there, which is, um, uh, you know, obviously for, you know, mixing and, and, and playing music. But on the far right, you notice one little small terminal, um, which is pretty different than the other ones. So you immediately go to there and you're going to try to slice in and say, let's get let's see if I can't connect to the orange lady and uh, do some work. So I'm gonna make this an average difficulty. People don't anticipate, they're not protecting uh, bank account numbers here. Um, and uh, I've got no setbacks or anything for you um, for that. So it's just gonna be an average difficulty. This is gonna be a slicing action, which is using your computer skill and the pool is ready for you. And let's do this. All right. Oh, boy. Three, uh, two greens and a yellow and against two purples. You end up with three successes and a threat. So you get in, you get on the terminal. What happens, Chal? So I get into the terminal. I immediately go for the action to I lock the main door so they can't get in or not easily just walk through the front door. They would have to uh, pry it out. And uh, unfortunately, since I was quite reckless and went just straight for the open door action, I uh, the electricity sizzled. So maybe I'm thinking I turned off the whole music and DJ booth and that part like you know, turn off a little bit. I love it. So yeah, so here, here's the door. Great. Let me go ahead and do, hit the hit the door and the lights turn off. The doors close and lock. So now it's dark. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Two PC slots left. We've got uh, the Marshall and we've got Rick's. And just just before the, the suddenly the light turns off and only just you can hear Charlie sorry. <laughs> 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 All right. I think uh, if, if you're up for it, Rick's is uh, uh, Rick's will take his turn. Um, Go for it. Uh, I think it's time to throw these scanner goggles on. Uh, now that it's dark in this room, uh, and uh, I, I guess what's it going to take to put on some scanner goggles and potentially uh, shoot my my blaster with stun setting? All right. So here's what's going to need to happen. You're going to need, need to draw two items out, right? First, the, glo the goggles. So that's going to be a maneuver. Okay. You then need to draw your gun, which will be a second maneuver. Yeah. If you want to take an action, 
then you'll need to take two strain. Okay, I'll do that. I'll take the two strain. All right, so same thing you, uh, that I was telling the other guys. Green is your strain, so go there. You get a plus two to your strain. You put the goggles on. Now, normally with this darkness, you would have setback dice as if you tried to do anything. You throw the goggles on. Immediately, they turn on. It's like it's day. It's actually, it, it's easier to see than it was when the lights were on. And uh, you draw your weapon, and... Uh, You've got basically three groups you could shoot at. You can shoot at the group that's engaged with Titus, the group that's engaged with Tate. If you're engaged, the difficulty is going to be a little bit harder. Uh, Or you can try to shoot Grail. Um, You've got a couple obstacles there. One, there's a lot of action between you and Grail, the Transdotion. And I assume you're going to try to not hit uh, the uh, Jacek. So you've drawn your gun. I need to know where you're aiming, and then we'll roll for it. I see the marshals getting uh, significantly overrun, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, prioritize that group. Okay, so that's gonna be because of the distance. It's gonna be easy, uh, an easy check. So it's only one purple die, but the difficulty of it gets upgraded because you've got a quote unquote friendly that's involved in that as well. Um, I'm not gonna give you any setbacks because of the goggles, and there's really not a whole lot between you and this group of thugs that are uh, going after. Uh, the marshal. So your pool is ready. Go to your combat, find your weapon, and give it a roll. Ah. So we ended up with two failures and an advantage. You draw. You throw the goggles on. You draw your weapon. You aim. God. Uh, I want the advantage. I want them distracted. I want them whipping their head around to see what's going on. <laughs> nice. We can, we can definitely add a setback die. So those guys now have two setback die yeah. coming to them on their next action. But um, so you uh, you unleash the blaster, which is now the first time we've had shots fired. Just so much, right? They're, everything's moving. It's a melee as they're punching and working uh, working the martial stuff. You're not able to hit, uh, hit anybody, but um, heads have turned. Uh, not and to make it even more dramatic, the lights were off. <laughs> so it's just this flash of red, flash of red, flash of red as you pop off three shots, uh, trying to shoot this. All right, our last PC. So the lights are off. There's been a flash of red off to the uh, to the right, my left, and um, ease my. I've I've got scanner goggles. I'm going to put them on as I move towards um, towards JSAC. And I'll be just pardoning myself. Excuse me, pardon me. Your fight is not with me. You stay here and get killed. And and I am just moving over to JSEC. I think that's two maneuvers. So, so here, I'll be yeah, taking let's walk strain through it. to get there. Let's and I'm sure there's some dice to be rolled. Yeah, so let's walk through this together. <laughs> Here's what I'm imagining is these guys have swung, and you're kind of ducking down, ducking down. And on your second duck down, um, after taking a couple hits, you, you, you see a way that you can just kind of lunge through this group um, headed towards – yeah, headed, headed towards them. To the duster at this point. <laughs> I love it. All right, so I have no issue, uh, Marshall, with you getting that maneuver without any problems at all. Um, but I need to get a sense of how well you were able to make it through there, similar to what we did with Chal. So I'm going to set the difficulty. It's going to be two purple and a setback. Um, uh, your goggles are on. Um, so I'm not concerned about the darkness. Um, so I just need a uh, coordination. And this is uh, done from me. the skills tab, yes? Yep. So you go to skills. 
Oh, that uh, duster swirls around okay. my legs, apparently. <laughs> and, uh, I am locked in place. So you make it, you make it, right? So you do close the distance, um, but it's going to take two maneuvers for you to get to where you are now. Uh, you did have three failures and an advantage. Um, so even though you didn't make it as quite as far as you'd hope to, if you want to take an action, it's going to cost you two strain. Um, but I want to know um, what you want to do with that advantage. Um... Well, let me tell you what I want my next action to be, and then let's talk about that advantage. Yep. I need to strike up another conversation with Grail. Um, and okay. uh, I I want to come to him in my uh, characteristic pose. Hands out, comfortable, confident, and say, well, they mix things up. Why don't you and I have a chat? Stop. Let's talk. All right. So that is going to you'll get a boost from your advantage. And it's going to be against his discipline, and it's going to be your coercion. No, here's a question for you. Are you trying to be more charming, or are you trying to be more imposing? That is a good question. Mechanically, it's the same. I'm full of them. <laughs> How, however, right? I, I think in this case, there's enough going on. This is probably more coercion than charm. Okay, great. All right, so the pool the pool is ready for you. I'm going to use a dark side again to upgrade your difficulty. So now the destiny pool is three light side. Yeah, I think side. we need a, a light side here. I would really yeah, like to use it. to have this conversation <laughs> go well. All right, so we're now back to two five. I have given you your boost and I've upgraded you. You now just need to roll your coercion. Well, I need it to hear took the everything to get there, but uh, but. <laughs> But I say, while your mooks are busy getting slaughtered back there, it's time for you and I to have a discussion about about JSEC. He was here to see me, not you. Let's stop right here and have a nice, calm conversation. Okay, so Transdotion, he hears you. He's got his arm around JSEC, and he immediately shoves JSEC off to the side. So he pushes him away. Jacek is basically falls crumbled on the edge of the dance floor itself. The dance floor is raised. He's kind of now bowled over and on it before his cane is way back to where this all started. So he doesn't even have the cane, he, the cane that he wanted. And the Transdotion uh, kind of puts his hands up in a relatively non-threatening way. Fantastic. All right, so that's turn. We now go back to the top of the order, and we're back to an NPC slot. And uh, our Transdotion Grail Nor is going to take that. So his arms are up. He he barely can see anything. Um, he definitely heard you talking. Um, you can kind of you've got your goggles on, so you have a clear picture of him. He put his hands up for a second, and which makes you kind of go, "Holy cow!" You know, like it was great that I convinced him to you know obviously give up on JSEC, but. You also notice him immediately reaching for his belt. So he reaches for his belt. He grabs a blaster pistol uh, and uh, points it at you. And he is going to take a shot. Now, he is short distance away. So in this case, it's good that you didn't make it the whole way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, he is going to get a setback die because of the darkness. And he is going to fire his blaster. Ouch. <laughs> so 
let's do the mechanics real quick. So, um, Marshall, you're going to end up taking eight damage total, less your soak. So your soak two, you said was so two. So I have six damage coming. Okay, so do do a do a, a plus six. So go to the red and just type in plus six. It'll add it to the two that's already there. Um, he gets a threat, which I will take care of now. Cause him stress, um, but he is able to do so. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it looked good for a second, right? And like I said, what's fantastic is no longer is JSEC part of this conversation. JSEC has now collapsed over on the side of the floor, but um, I don't get the pressure that Grail tends to um, surrender very often. So he takes that moment, pulls his blaster pistol, pops off uh, two shots for you. The first one comes through and you're able to, you know, maneuver to it, uh, maneuver off of it. You pull yourself a little bit off balance. The second one hits you in the shoulder. That's a NPC slot. We've got two PC slots and anybody uh, can go of the five. And then we've got two more NPCs after that. So we've got two PCs, two NPCs. I have a plan with DT if anybody has no uh, no objections. Go for it. I like Go your plan. <laughs> All right. So DT is going to uh, take two strain to maneuver and put on his own set of goggles. Good Lord. All you assholes have goggles. <laughs> All right. So you uh, one maneuver to draw and put on the go- goggles for you. It's a little bit different. Um I think it's just a bit for you. I think you've got it not necessarily built in, but it's a little shielding that drops off. So it's just a matter of hitting the button, right? Yep. All right. Uh, so immediately so we do that from darkness to, oh, I can see everything. And then I'm thinking, oh, these are ugly meat bags. I can see everything. Uh, so then being a, uh, uh, stealth droid, uh, commando droid, I am going to jump onto this, or rather, use this chair in front of me as a jumping-off point to leap over these mooks and uh, and roll off of the table behind them and make my way over to uh, our contact to Jasic, or as close as I can. I think that would be end up being two maneuvers. Yeah. So this is this is your target right here, right to where Jasic has collapsed over on the dance floor. Um, yes. So let's. Let's do this, DT. Uh, let's first do a coordination check. Um, I am going to set the difficulty as average. Um, so it's going to be two purple dice. And this is going to determine how well we're able to make it across uh, uh, up and above and over these thugs and the furniture Perfect. and the slippery floor. It's going to mm-hmm. be fine. You'll be fine. Oh, yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> All right. After five dice, two against you, three for you, you ended up with a success. So as I move your token um, and get you over there, DT, I, I need to know exactly what just happened. So, yeah, I, I did exactly as I meant to of use this chair as a, a stepping off point, flipped over the mooks, probably just lightly bopping them on the head. As I pass, hopefully sowing some confusion there as to what the heck just happened, land on the table behind them and roll off of it off to the side. So I'm kind of right to the side of the marshal, not quite next to Jacek as I wanted to be, but uh, we'll end up there. That's one maneuver. And then with my uh, other, I would go ahead and move uh, right next to him and quick draw out my holdout pistol to cover him. 
Got it. All right. So that'll be your action. Um, we'll, what we'll count that as is we'll count that as an aim. Okay. So when you when you shoot okay. that pistol, if you were to shoot that pistol, we'll consider you ha- having a aim. Go ahead and take the two strain uh, if you haven't already. Okay. Um, I did. Because you took two maneuvers in an action, and I've got another PC slot before two NPCs go. Who's got the second slot? Uh, I think Rick's. Um, being that. I've got my goggles on already. I can see kind of the state of what's already happened and what's 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 going on. Um, I'm thinking I'd like to get closer to uh, our contact as well, uh, Jasic. Um, so I'd like to maneuver towards Jasic. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the path, Rick? So are you going to try to climb over furniture and things like that and head, um, you know, more of this route here? Or are you going to try to bowl through? Uh, the crowd here and uh, go that way. Uh, maneuver around. Okay, so we're going to climb some furniture, huh? Yeah. Uh, and head this way. Okay, so we're going to do the same thing. So that's going to cost you a maneuver. Um, whether it's one or two maneuvers is going to depend on uh, your coordination and your ability to kind of go over the furniture. I've got the pool ready for you with two difficulty, two purple dice. Go ahead and roll your coordination. Ooh. You guys are some coordinated MFers, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Three successes, two. <laughs> yeah, we can't shoot, but we Three can climb furniture. Three successes, two threat. So, yeah, that only costs you one maneuver um, hopping over there. It was pretty exhausting, though. So take two strain for me. So click on your green circle and hit a plus two. So now mechanically you have the ability to either sacrifice your action for another maneuver or you can maintain your action and spend two more uh, strain to take another maneuver. Uh, I'll take two strain to do another maneuver and then shoot. Got it. So go ahead. All right. So let's add that two strain. What is your second maneuver? Uh, I'm going to get up next to uh, DT. Got it. You're there. And you've got an action left. Um, I'm going to shoot at uh, Grail. I, I can't remember which you guys have goggles and which ones don't. Uh, do you have goggles? I do, yes. Okay, all right. So that is um, going to be a, uh, a, an easy uh, one difficulty die. Um, let me just double check one thing on Grail. Grail has adversary one, so it's going to upgrade against you one. And I just want to make sure he doesn't have any defense. He does not. So I am actually going to use a dark side to upgrade the difficulty again. So we're now at three light, four dark. The pool is ready when you are. I think I'll use a light side as well. Great. Go ahead and do that. I've upgraded on your side once. Let's go ahead and uh, go to your gun. Four successes, two advantage. Um, Not enough to crit, so you only have two advantages. You would need three with this gun. Um, uh, Were you you on stun? You have a stun setting. Uh, Oh, that's a good question. Real quick, what would he do? Uh, Yeah, I would say, yeah, he would be on stun in the environment. All right, so that's going to be nine damage less his soak. You hit him. Um, It knocks him back. Um... Describe to me what happens. And let's figure out what those advantages are. Yeah. So uh, I jump up close to uh, uh, my party and uh, just just point, aim and shoot at uh, at Grail, uh, uh, knocking him uh, uh, away from me, uh, uh, 
and uh, I, yeah. So here's here's what we can do with those advantages. You can say I want you can you spend two advantages. Um, you can't do it as a maneuver because you've already taken two maneuvers. You can take those two advantages and say I want to give somebody very specific of the other four players or even myself a boost on their next roll. Or you can say I'm going to give I want two floating boosts out there, which means the next two people that roll will get a boost. Let's do floating. Or you can, or you can spend them to reduce your strain by two. Oh yeah, I got some strain on me. Um, no, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna leave them open for a boost, floating boost die, just in case. So that's gonna be your responsibility, uh, Ricks, to remind me that the next two rolls get a boost. Okay. Ten four. All right, I've got now two NPC slots. The group that um, is is getting frustrated with you, Titus. Um, you're a slippery son of a gun. Now that kind of the uh, the seal has been broken <laughs> and weapon weapons are now in play, <laughs> um, they immediately draw uh, their their pistols and uh, they're going to take a shot at you. Now it is um, one difficulty, but it's upgraded against them one uh, because everybody they're engaged um, with you. Um, they get a setback die because of the conditions, because it's dark. Um, they get another setback because your defense one on ranged, right? They are going to pop a shot. So the three of them draw uh, uh, draw blasters. The guy that, remember, one is on the floor. He, he scrambles and grabs his blaster, too. They start sh- uh, firing at you, um, uh, Titus. All of the dice... We had a total of six dice rolled. They all canceled each other out. So as the shots start firing, what does Titus do? Titus stands there with a spear blaster in hand, looks around him, kind of where all the blaster shots, uh, you know, kind of missed some of them, honestly, at, you know, near point blank range. Uh somewhat uh, <laughs> Pulp Fiction style, uh, kind of just looks around and then look, looks back down and starts to raise up the, the spear blaster um, and says, that's all you got. Okay. <laughs> all right. Another NPC group. So beautiful. All right. So the other group of thugs, one second ago, there was a guy dressed like a cowboy in front of him. The next second, he's gone. They turn around, they use a maneuver, and I think it would have been smart for them to pull their pistols and shoot you. I think they're so confused by the whole situation. Now they just kind of want to beat the hell out of you, Marshall. So they, they're going to come running up behind you, use a maneuver to get on top of you, and they're going to go ahead and take a swing. It's not the first time somebody wanted to beat the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> they are going to get a setback die because of the conditions. Add to that the confusion of getting like tapped on the shoulder as DT bounced over them. They might think that was the Marshall messing with them. <laughs> well, these guys, I just remember these guys have two setbacks from the from uh, what happened over the last roll. So there are actually three setbacks, two purples. It'll be pretty incredible if they hit you. Yeah, I like my chances. Oh, God, wow! <laughs> so total of seven wow. dice, <laughs> giving us six failures, no advantages of threats. So they come on you, Marshall. Um, this is like you said, not your first bar fight, right? So you knew, even though you got shot, you're shooting, uh, you know, and engaging with him. You knew you couldn't keep, uh, uh, 
blind to what was behind you. You see him coming a mile away. You have no trouble uh, avoiding the punches and throws that they uh, have as they go to it. Gentlemen, we have three PC slots left. Um, who has not gone? I, I have a simple one. So since uh, since our friend Trendoshan is starting to shoot, so I can see him more clearly. So I will just aim by the by the DJ stand, DJ booth, and unleash uh, fire. I don't have goggles, but since I saw like uh, the interaction, so I should get. Uh, uh, that that would be the first advantage, the floating one. Second yep. would be for the aim, I guess. Great. So I've got. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could. <laughs> so here's here's the pool for you. So you're at short range from him. So you're going to get um, two difficulty. You still get the setback for the darkness. But to your point, between uh, the uh, the flashing of the lights and all the activity going on, you've got uh, a double boost: one for the aim and one for the floating boost that's there. So the fact that shots have been fired and lit things up for a second help you. I'm ready when you are. All right, so (laughs) lots of dice ending up in two failures, but four advantages. Could I... uh, uh, Okay, I obviously missed him. I'm thinking to use the advantages to just like unleash like a volley of fire so i get his attention and he's trying to like hide because he's in the middle of the uh of the place and he basically trips and falls down right next to the bar yep i can i i'm willing for you to spend all four of those to make him prone okay let's do this all right so he is now on the ground the only way he avoided getting hit by the blaster fire coming to his right now was essentially fall down. All right, we've got two PC slots left. Who's left? Howdy, friend. Craig here. Is this episode making you realize you need to buy some models? Gadzooks Gaming is my favorite online retailer because of their large selection, killer prices, and great customer service. Don't you hate buying an entire crew box when you only need one model? Gadzooks sells crew box models individually and saves you a ton of money. They even have free shipping to the US and Canada if you spend $100 or more. Swing by gadzooksgaming.com and make sure you tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. All the details are in the show notes. So Marshall Sill barely even breaks stride as these guys jump behind him, attempt to rabbit punch him down, takes a quick step to the right, step to the left. But mostly he is just walking straight across the bar over to Grail. Behind him is the uh, flash, the strobing of blasters. And um, and uh, Grail likely can see that that uh, Sill's hands are still wide open, outstretched to his sides. He doesn't even care enough to draw a weapon. And he just walks over to him, bends down and says, I said, stop. All right. So what are, what are we attempting? I'm hoping that this is good for a coercion role. And I'm hoping okay. there might be another floating bonus out there. I yep. like a white side point. <laughs> yep. All right. Go ahead and do the light side. I don't think we have any boosts left, but uh, go ahead and use the light side. I will upgrade the roll. Um, and I'm actually... Yeah. Yeah, oh. I used one. So okay, one should yep. be left. Yeah. Yep. So this is left. the last floating booster that's out there. I've upgraded your roll, and I'm actually going to put him on a setback 
Um, so it's not only too, uh, the difficulty of his uh, discipline, but I'm going to put him on a setback because of the situation, which is he's now flat on his rear end. Um, and uh, you may not be as tall as a Trandoshan, but you're a lot taller than he is right now. Um, so I've got the pool is an upgraded on your side with one boost and then one uh, purple, one red for his discipline and one setback. I'm ready for a coercion. All right. The uh, coercion check here. All right. Oh, no Marshall. Okay. Lots of lots of dice, two successes and a um, advantage. He takes his hand off the gun and is now stay, remaining prone, has kind of put his hands up. I crouched down in front of him and I said, let's talk like gentlemen now. <laughs> Excellent. I've got another PC slot. Uh, Tyus will go if nobody has any objections. And he's going to, um, with his weapon, the Spear Blaster, is going to uh, uh, swing on some of these uh, minions over here. So we already talked about the fact that you've got you, you've got the weapon ready, right? That happened a while ago. Um, but I, I, can we now take a quick second to talk about what your weapon is? Sure. Titus carries a Spear Blaster, a Moncala Spear Blaster. Uh, it's a Moncalamari weapon, um, and basically it doubles as a halberd-like spear um, that can kind of pierce through armor, as well as a blaster rifle uh, with a stun setting. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, he got it from... Uh, don't worry about how you got it. Um, so, uh, Titus, are, you, so are, are, we, are we shooting with the spear or are we swinging the spear? Uh, Titus is going to uh, swing with the spear. Okay, great. I've got your difficulty set. It's going to be a two difficulty for a melee action, one setback for the conditions. And just go, you go to, to your spear. Um, and I think I've got it listed twice on yours. Once as a melee, um, once as a thing. You ran the melee. So you um, did not net a success, but you got two advantage. So you swing the spear, and what happens? All right, so with the advantages, uh, I'd like to have uh, Titus uh, realizing that these uh, uh, minions um, are are no match truly for him um, and not even uh, worth uh, worth his time and observing that uh, the, the gun has been um, uh, given up by uh, the Tran- Trandoshan due to uh, the marshal's efforts. Uh, would, I would like for Titus to... Um, kind of push or barrel over um, or bull rush uh, the, these minions with the haft of his spear to kind of get some extra movement. So if you want, we want to use that to get two maneuvers? Yeah, let's do the two maneuvers. That's great. Okay, great. So you get one maneuver built in plus a second maneuver. So yeah, I have no trouble with you uh, you doing two maneuvers. Show me where you want where you want to head and I'll put you there for two maneuvers. Yeah, let's... Uh, I think I've got the movement. Let's get me over right next to Rick's. Okay, great. So let's move you next to Ricks. You break through all of them for no strain whatsoever. You take a swing. The momentum of them, of you taking the swing, pushing you forward, them reacting by pushing back, opens up a nice running back hole in the in the front of the offensive line. You head straight that way um, uh, towards uh, the rest of the group. So now we're in a situation where really 
all um, four of you, we got we've got one Rodian um, trying to put the right song on to set the mood in the uh, DJ booth, but we've got the f- other four of you now are back together again. We've got DT on top of Jasic. We've got the three of you guys uh, close. You you all of you um, have noticed that the Marshal appears to have subdued this trans transdotion. We've got six guys behind you. Um, I'm going to take this first NPC slot. And one of the thug groups is going to go and they are going to take sacrifice their action to take two maneuvers. They bowl past you guys, headed past the marshal, past Titus, past Grail, and are headed towards the front door. So they're done. I've got two PC slots. Titus will go, and Titus wants to uh, kind of approach um, the situation with uh, the Marshal and Grail, the the Trandoshan here, and raise his uh, weapon um, and try to basically intimidate um, the uh, the Trandoshan uh, while having sort of the the gun pointed at him um, and say, "You better give up now." I already told you, you were not going to like where things ended up. And here we are. Stop this nonsense now and listen to my friend here. Okay. All right. So let's do a coercion. I'm going to give you a boost again because of the situation against his discipline and the pool is ready for you. All right. Uh, he does not seem to want to take orders from you. You ended up with no successes, but two advantages. How do we want to use those advantages? Uh, let's use the advantages to, to help uh, Marshall out with uh, what I assume is going to be his uh, coercion um, or persuasion of uh, the uh, Trandoshan here. So that's a, we've got a maneuver and an action done. Um, I'm thinking you give a boost to the marshal's next action just by the sheer fact that you're a very intimidating man. Um, so any any action by the marshal against uh, Grail is going to get a uh, a nice boost. We've got another PC slot. I'm thinking with Chol to set the mood. So Chol uh, like sees that the uh, that the evil guy is on his butt. So he goes back, turns on the light, but not everything, just some of the spotlights and aims them on the Trendoshan, like in Trendoshan <laughs> style. <laughs> and while, while doing that, he sees a playlist, so he plays the Star Wars version of Staying Alive. Alright, so that's going to be a slow. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, while doing that, I will walk out and join the guys in the... Uh, uh, to surround the Trandoshan. Gotcha. So let's let's do the action first. I'm going to set you a two difficulty, and what we're trying to do here is we're trying to get back um, here and bring uh, some lights on, uh, specific lights. So I'm setting the difficulty average. I am getting giving you a boost because you've gotten pretty familiar with this system. So if I can get a computer's check from you. All right, so you're not you're not able um, to get to get the lights back on, Chal. Um, but what does happen with those three advantages? So basically, the lights just flicker and then shut, uh, turn off again. So no luck there. I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking like just at least some ambient light turns on, like the LEDs on the bar lit up and on the DJ booth. 
just to get a little bit like you know how to walk around but uh, you have got to be careful but no need to be in pitch black now i like it so how about we have three floating booths out there you go with that yeah yeah basically right. some what i was intending okay. yep so the next next three rolls we're gonna have booths um so we've now got a second npc slot um we've got the next yeah, i'll group. just go ahead uh, yeah, do end like your maneuver yeah thank you all right, so it looks like the next group of uh, minion thugs um, aren't quite uh, as loyal to Grail as they may have first appeared, and they have pushed through as well. Um, so we've got six guys headed for the door. Last PC saw is Grail. I don't know what Grail's going to do. He is going to take a maneuver, but it's it's going to require a roll. Roll, and then I can decide whether he was successful or not Let's see so he is three so he's on his back grail is and um you know he's got both of you guys there and really not a whole lot of uh room to go what he does is able to do though is he's able to slide and push himself back so he's no longer engaged with both titus and sill but he is still on his back um and uh really not in a position to take any type of action he's his gun is is as left back there so that's it, actually it for him we've got three pc slots so we got three pc slots um i'll uh i'll take a slot here um and i'm just i'll, I'll uh pick up his gun slip it in my pocket say you won't be needing this you do need to hire some better help all right so that's but, a maneuver and um and at this point, maybe I am going with the charm because things have diffused. It might be time to sit and talk like gentlemen, as I suggested. Please, okay. I'll order you a drink. You have got a you've got a floating boost, Sil, um, and I've got it against his discipline. So it'll be your charm against his discipline. Pool is ready when you are. All right. We don't get a lot of successes, do we? <laughs> no, I tell you, you do have, um, you know, so, uh, you know, you say, you know, let's 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 have a drink. Right. Um, uh, he, he really is just not interested in being told what to do. So um, uh, you even had the boost uh, from Titus um, there as well. So talk to me about um, those advantages real quick. I am. Um... Boy, I think he's getting more and more cornered all the time, and I'm thinking he's becoming more shaken. I agree. Um, so let's make sure I we think those are... give him a setback. Yep. Um, so, in fact, here's what I'll do: is I'm going to use one to give him a setback, and then I'm going to put more, two more floating boosts out there. So we've now got a total of uh, three floating boosts going. All right, who are the last two PCs to act? Okay, I'm, th- I'm thinking like with Cho, so. I go closer to our we like friend. I forgot his name, sadly. Jacek. Well, I, I, I think you've Jacek. already acted this turn, haven't you, Chal? Yeah. Was it Isn't this it, turn? Yeah. I okay, think it's DT and Rix who I haven't acted yet this turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'm torn. What you doing? What are you doing there, Android? What are you doing there, Devorne? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see these guys uh, fleeing. Uh, I guess I'm not opposed to them just leaving. Um, I don't see the need to be aggressive in any uh, more manner uh, in the current situation. 
So before before you continue, uh, DT, how about you? Are you going to take any type of confrontational action at this point? No. If if uh, if our big friend is down, I I'm essentially I'll. I'll keep the gun out in case he tries anything but I, have, I don't have a reason to just blast on him. Alright guys, I'm going to take us out of structured time at this point. Um, so I am going to take us back to um, narrative time and I want to quickly talk about the situation. So all six of these guys make it to the door start hitting the button and it ain't opening. Uh, <laughs> Grail <laughs> He might be big, but he's not that dumb. Um, he is now weaponless, on the ground, severely outnumbered because his friends, um, uh, his crew is not nearly what uh, they thought he would. Jacek is laying there. He is conscious. He's on, uh, kind of slouched over the over the dance floor, and um, you guys have participated in a bar fight in the Orange Lady. Not a whole lot of damage, but blaster shots were fired. Um, so the chances of some attention coming to the Orange Lady is probably pretty high. Um, and I think this is a great, great time uh, to break um, and uh, end for our first session. Um, we didn't cover a whole lot, but a lot of that is because we spent a lot of time learning about each other, learning about who the crew is. We starting to get a feel for, you know, that interaction between GMs and players and players and players. Um, and I think things are going to snowball and get much faster. When we come back for our next session, we're going to get a chance to find out what exactly is going on right now. Before we even knew what Jacek had to tell you, all hell ended up breaking loose. Um, how does Grail know Jacek's name? Do they know each other? It didn't appear that Jacek knew him. Um, how did he just suddenly kind of conveniently show up um, at the same time, Jacek. So I think these are things that we're going to have to figure out when we go into our second session. So as to finish things out, um, first, um, DT, I need you to uh, up your uh, strain threshold back because your obligation is done at the end of the session. So you can set uh, your strain threshold back to where it was um, at the beginning. And then... um, uh, we're heading in that direction. So you got your threshold back up to where it was supposed to be, right? So who has who has strain? Um, I don't think we're ready to lower the strain. So I'm going to leave it where it is. Um, when things, when the dust really settles, maybe when we don't have potential adversaries in the room with you guys, I think that we'll be able to uh, kind of clear some of that strain with a cool um, or discipline check. So we're not quite there yet. What I would like to do, though, um, one is I want to find out whose obligation is going to come up in session two. So I'm going to roll a D100. You know, Craig, as the uh, as the dust is settling in there, um, Sill is going to touch that burning hole in his chest that is more than halfway taking him down. Look at the blood, turn towards the bar, say two fingers, right, neat. right. And then, uh, and then point point his other hand to Grawl and say, uh, one for you, too. <laughs> good, 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 good. Um, so, uh, boy, as soon as I told you to bring that um, strain back down, we roll a 55, which is your oath again. So you, can, you uh, DT, um, can't 
quite get over the stress uh, that your oath is having on your mind. So if you can drop your strain back down again, strain threshold back down by two. All right. So last but not least, what I like to do is I like to get a sense of really... I tend to run my games episodically, right? So this was episode one of hopefully a long running uh, series that people are gonna tune into. And just like any TV series that has an ensemble cast, yeah, you tend to have one person, one character featured. So I wanna figure out in your mind, was this, whose episode was this? So another way to uh, to put this is, who who was our MVP? So Chal, I'd like to start with you. Who do you think was the MVP of this uh, episode? I, I like the marshal. He went with his character, tried to calm uh, calm things down and to drink in the end. It <laughs> seems like, uh, you know, things starting like that, he presented well the character, so that's what I think. Excellent. Okay, so Marshall, who is your MVP? I'm, I'm loving watching the interaction between DT and Chal. I... I don't know if I can vote twice, but that's uh, that's where I'm headed. <laughs> well, I get you got to pick. Got to pick one. We only have one in first place. So who's your who's your uh, who, who do you think we're, was? We'll go with. We'll go with DT for now. All right, DT. DT's episode. Um, I think just his. Uh, <laughs> I think the, just the grenade thing alone <laughs> makes that <laughs> a believable uh, nomination. So DT, who is your MVP? Oh, remains a excellent companion and technological asset. All right. So, Chal, you've got an MVP vote. How about you, Titus? Who is your vote for? Whose episode was this? I'm going to vote for uh, uh, um, the Marshal, I think. Uh, It was pretty awesome uh, the way he was able to kind of persuade um, Grail to um, give up his weapon and everything there. I thought that was... uh, pretty epic um that being said dt and chal both had some uh pretty fantastic and highly humorous moments um the grenade though was especially especially choice so but you rex who do you think was the mvp uh, i gotta give it to marshall gotta give it all right let's quickly hand out xp so um don't worry about um, anything. I'm going to update your sheets by tomorrow uh, with this XP. Um, so I will do all the bookkeeping on this. Um, but uh, Marshall, I'm going to give you 10 XP. Uh, Chal, you're going to get 8. DT gets 8. And both Titus and Ricks get 5. Um, I'm looking forward to next session, guys. I think that um, our pace is going to be a lot better. Uh, we won't have as much bookkeeping and introductions to do at the beginning a good session um especially for our first session uh we were six guys that have really never done this together before um i think we've got a lot of interesting questions to get answers to um usually don't have this many after just one session um so uh we will uh tune back in for session two be sure to follow us on facebook twitter youtube and twitch so you don't miss uh, the avalanche of content we create links are in the show notes Be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest in gaming apparel and gear. There you'll also find the latest information for the U.S. Faux Tour. Find out where you rank in your conference or even in the entire United States. Get those models built, painted, and ready so we can see you at the next U.S. Faux Tour Masters event. 
Please take a moment to write a review of this pod on your favorite platform. Rating and reviewing helps us find more listeners almost as cool as you are. Be sure to share this feed with all of your friends who love tabletop gaming. Thanks for listening. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring, along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast.